Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom on the Educational 80 Podcast. We'll be right back with today's Wednesday Wisdom guest, but we want to give a shout out to our partners, the Florida Coaches Coalition. We coach the global community of women in high school sports and Vital Signs Wall of Fame. These are four great companies. Uh, you should really add them to your network. And now, please don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us for the next three minutes. Uh, we're going to acknowledge our sponsors. These are all companies that I used as an athletic director. You should be using them too. Here we go. We want to thank Hometown Ticketing for their support. Hometown Ticketing is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com and their team is going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online. Hometown Ticket, it's digital ticketing that offers more. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Gipper is the official social media graphics solution for the podcast. And if you go to Gipper.com, their team is going to show you how to create world-class sports graphics for your school's social media channel. If you're not on social media, you're really missing out on a great opportunity to promote your program, celebrate your teams. Gipper is used and trusted by over 3,000 athletic programs, and it's professional graphic design made simple. Go to Gipper.com. Mention the podcast. You'll get a nice discount. We also want to say thanks to SnapRaise. Are you tired of doing fundraisers and spending hours and hours with little, if any, return? Stop right here. Go to SnapRaise.com slash EDAD. Uh, we use SnapRaise at our school. Uh, it's hands down the best fundraising program out there. Our coaches loved it. Our parents loved it. What's more important? It works. SnapRaise also has a, a ton of other platforms like SnapStore, SnapManage. They're all designed to make your job easier. Go to snapraise.com slash EDAD to check it all out. We also want to say thank you to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school, and our coaches just loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids up to their highest level. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 8 million users. Turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive Indoor Score Tables and Scoreboards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their products in action. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made. They not only generate income for your department, but they create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thank you to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles. It's a great way to show off your school record boards for all the teams, for all the sports, or your school's Hall of Fame. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Mention the podcast, you'll get a nice discount. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thanks to Home Campus. Go to homecampus.com. They are the exclusive high school and state association management platform for us. It's also your one-stop platform for scheduling, student-athlete eligibility and clearance, and a whole lot more. As an athletic director, I used Home Campus every single day, and it was just great, and you're going to love it too. Go to homecampus.com. And we want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. You've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student-athletes. You're really missing out. Athletic directors already hear back from the complainers, the 
parents that want to gripe about everything. Athletic surveys will not only connect you to the uh, squeaky wheels, they'll also connect you to the 98% of your parents and your student athletes that support your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking with a frustrated parent or your principal or your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. Let them create that custom survey for you. Athleticsurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Wednesday Wisdom on the Educational AD Podcast. We have what we like to call a friend of the show back with us. Uh, she's been with us a number of times, Dr. Megan Bunning. She's got an incredible athletic background as an athlete, as a coach, uh, and as a leader. She currently is part of the faculty at Florida State University's uh, program, FSU Coach. She'll give you the contact information uh, for that later. But uh, Dr. Bunning, welcome back to Wednesday Wisdom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always great to be a part of your your stuff. <laughs> well, for our listeners, we're recording this on November 1st, so it's going to be very timely when you're listening to it. Uh, we've uh, we, we talked about it. We managed to get past Halloween. So uh, what do you have for our listeners uh, today, Dr. Bunny? Yeah, so I actually, before I get into the topic, because I don't want to give it away, I wanted to ask you two questions, kind of the same question, but this will set up what we're going to talk about today. All right. So the first question is, what is your best guess for how many fans on average attend Florida State football games? And we'll say last season. Okay. Last season, you know, before they, uh, you know, turned the corner and uh, have really taken off. Okay. I'm going to guess average attendance, Florida State football games, um, 42,000. Okay. All right. So then, so you've got your 42,000 and I want you to think about, and you don't have to answer this just yet. Think about kind of what you used to come up with that number. Like, how did you come up with that? Okay. All right. Now, if I ask it this way, the same kind of question, but I want to see if you maybe approach it differently. Do you think the average attendance numbers for Florida state football games last year is less than or greater than 50,000? Um, I, I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, based off your first response, and I think that kind of uh, hits the spot anyway, and I'll explain why, but just as a side note, because I know people are curious on average last season, even when they were quote down FSU average 67,254 fans per game. So oh, there's that. Wow. <laughs> incredible. But let's kind of get back to why I had, I even asked those questions. So the first response you had was around 42,000. So when I asked the question open-ended like that, what did you use to come up with that number? How did you come up with that number? Well, uh, you know this. Uh, I lived in Tallahassee for many years uh, as an athletic director, have two uh, kids <laughs> that, uh, you know, one's a recent grad, one's working on her master's. Uh, growing up, I can even say that I remember the Bobby Bowden days and, uh, you know, th those glory days. So I, I kind of went on, you know, a, a, like a 70,000 from, you know, big days, you know, big time national championships to, you know, more recent years. And, and I went low just because I know 
FSU had struggled for a couple of seasons, but at the same time, I, I knew that they had a very passionate fan base. And so I, I felt 45 was reasonable. Yeah. Well, I think you said 42, but 42. Yeah. 42. Yeah. <laughs> so you went off of past experiences, kind of your knowledge, you pulled a lot of sources of information to come up with that number. Now, if I had asked you the second question first, do you think they were greater or less than 50,000? Do you think how you would have come up with your answer may have been different? You know, I mean, now that I know the correct answer, you know, I'd like to say, you know, yes, I might have gone a little bit higher, but uh, um, uh, it, it just, uh, as you heard me rattle off those, uh, you know, uh, memories and, and uh, pseudo facts, uh, I thought I had a pretty good guess. But yeah, I think I might have gone different. Yeah. So what happens is, if I were to ask a question, the, the second question first, do you think the average attendance was greater than or less than? And then I give you what's called an anchor, 50,000. A lot of times when we present information or data up front to individuals, especially when we're making decisions, that is, that's an anchor. So we will use that anchor to make our decision to, um, figure out what we're going to say or do next. And so that 50,000 was an anchor for you because I asked the open-ended question first, you pulled information from all kinds of areas, but then you still kind of set an anchor because you said 42,000. And then I asked the question again, and you still had that 42 in your head. So the, today I want to talk about just that, the anchoring effect. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as anchoring bias. So just a little bit about where this comes from. This effect has been present in the research from, uh, you know, really in that psychophysics research, which is not my area, <laughs> let's be clear. But if you were to look back in that field, you would see this anchoring effect present itself as far back as the late 30s. And then it was more directly addressed in the literature in the late 50s. And basically it's a common cognitive bias. So many people do this. And just to kind of reiterate, you probably find yourself doing this just throughout your day, like what we just experienced with Jake, is it's the tendency to rely too much on the first piece of information that you receive, especially when you're making decisions. So a lot of times this applies to numeric estimates. So you'll see this a lot in negotiations or sales. It happens when the person doesn't know the actual true value of something. So when you think about this in terms of a numeric estimate, I'll give you an example. I do a lot of selling and buying through thrift stores or maybe like eBay, Facebook Marketplace, all the things. So if you go to buy something at a thrift store or maybe you're selling something and the price is set at, the, at first at maybe say 20 bucks, you're going to use that value of $20 to anchor your decision moving forward. If you're the seller, maybe you're hoping to actually get 15 so it's kind of like the reserve price uh, if you're we're selling something on eBay. Right. If you're the buyer, because that anchor is set at 20 bucks, you may offer 18. If Even if you don't originally think the item is worth that, you offer it based off the seller's $20 anchor. So researchers have found that even when you're aware of the anchoring effect or this bias, it's impossible to ignore the first information that you received. Does that sound familiar? So that 
42,000 was impossible. Like you had already put it out there. It was impossible for you to not use that as an anchor. So once you've been introduced to an anchor or you introduce one, it's very difficult to not use that information to make your decision moving forward. Partly, this is because we tend to seek information, so this confirmation bias, so that we tend to seek information that's going to confirm what we've learned or, or that anchor versus kind of looking elsewhere. And then this is interesting to me as well. If you think along the big five personality traits, if you, you know, are a believer in those, if you have taken those assessments, research also indicates that if you're a person that's more open to experiences, so along that big five, you actually may be more susceptible to the anchoring effect. So the anchoring effect, I think without really saying much, can create issues. And you'll see a lot of the issues in just sticking to that numeric issue first, and then I'll get into non-numeric issues. Let's look at the NBA draft picks. So they have found that these NBA draft picks suffer from managers anchoring on the RSCI ranks. So the Recruiting Services Consensus Index, which is basically the pre-draft athlete ranks. And this is a problem because the managers are given those RSCI ranks up front and they really don't deviate much from these ranks, which leads to the systematic issue of either over or undervaluing talent. All right. So you may also see this as decision quality lowering anchoring bias. So, for example, and y'all probably if you think about this, upperclassmen with lower RSCI rankings get undervalued and freshmen with higher rankings get overvalued. And what's even more interesting is that RSCI has been found to have little to no predictability of how well that athlete will perform in the NBA after the draft. So there's something for you. So consider when you're ranking, I can see this already in high school, these, these rankings coming out, kind of digging a little bit deeper. I mean, that's an anchoring effect. They also found something similar in the pay for the NFL. Uh, and this is not a secret. First round picks versus second round versus third round. There's an anchoring effect and it can create some issues. So when I think about non-numeric anchoring effects, you know me, I'm going to go to that psychological component, right? Think about how you anchor your day. We'll just start with that. When you first wake up and you're trying to get your day started, what kind of thoughts and actions are you using to get the day started? Because whatever you're saying to yourself, and this can be to get your day started, this can be before you go into a meeting, before you head to work, those thoughts are going to lead to actions and those things anchor your day. They anchor your approach. So for example, I'm, I'm bad about this. I have to catch myself. If there is something that I don't want to do, I and I dread it, like I'm working in that struggle bus phase, like I just don't want to do it. I want to procrastinate. I have to catch myself because I will anchor my attitude with thoughts of this is going to be awful. <laughs> this is this is going to, this is going to be boring. I'm not going to like this. And so I am anchoring my attitude as I head in to that situation. Also, you think about this. I am someone that I can talk myself into not feeling well. So if I wake up and I'm like, I don't feel good. And I keep telling myself, I don't feel good. I am anchoring my thoughts for that day until I decide that I need to make a switch. So there's that psychological component. So I'm going to leave you with some ways to combat this anchoring effect. 
One, and this is through the literature, they found that setting ambitious goals. So that can be a way to combat that anchoring effect. Remember, once you are exposed to that information, it's very difficult to not use that as an anchor. So you need to be mindful. If you're a leader or a coach, whatever you're doing, be careful about intentionally putting out information that you want to be an anchor if that's the case. And know that whoever's receiving that is probably going to use that information to anchor their decisions about it moving forward. So when you think about goal setting, be ambitious. They still need to be realistic, but they need to really challenge you in your goals. So your ambitious goal can be an anchor. The other thing is to think about set your own anchors. So I just kind of gave you an example about this thought anchoring. One example could be when you wake up in the morning, set an anchor through gratitude. We've talked about that. We've done a segment on that. You are a big, big proponent of that as well. Gratitude journaling in the morning. This is research-based. It will set a tone and an anchor for you throughout the rest of the day. The other thing to consider when you're thinking about anchoring, especially if you're delivering information to people, especially feedback coaches and leaders, is to be mindful of the LASADA ratio. And I may have mispronounced that. It's L-O-S-A-D-A but it's the ratio, and you all have probably heard of this, it's the positivity to negativity ratio. So what we found is that we need approximately three positive statements or actions to every one negative statement or action. The reason is because we hold on to that negative statement or action we place more value on it. And so we hold on to it and we could have a whole other segment on why that is. So to stay even in your performance, you need a three to one ratio. To improve performance, you're going to need about a six to one. So think about that when you're anchoring. Practice making decisions based off inferences versus assumptions. So Jake, when you answered that first question and I left it open-ended, you went back and you connected, well, here's, I'm coming up with this 42 based off of the data that I have and the information that I have. Right. So an inference is this informed decision. And I think you and I have done a segment on the ladder of inference. So it kind of gets back to that discussion. So that inference is an informed decision. So I'm I have this anchor and now I want to seek evidence that that anchor may not be accurate. So there might be some that confirms it, but there's also I want to see if there's anything that that says this isn't necessarily the right uh, data or all the information versus using that anchor and making an assumption. An assumption is an uninformed decision. And we all know what they say about assumptions, don't we? <laughs> I, I uh, demonstrated that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I wasn't even close. But, and then last, and you just kind of along the same lines there is seek and provide good data good information. This is another reason why it's important to present people with evidence-based data or information. So that first anchor is more accurate. It's as accurate as you can get, or at least supported by legitimate evidence. That can be extremely important. And then lastly, anytime you are presenting information, whether it's numerical or not, remember you're setting an anchor. So present not only the information and data that will support, but also present some that will refute it. We do this in academic writing all the time. We should present why these findings may work and then also why they may not. And then that helps people that are receiving the information be able to make better informed decisions.
Well, I, again, you probably saw me as usual scribbling down notes like crazy. I remember our gratitude episode, and I still use that in some presentations that I do with coaches and with parents. I, I, and I'd love to see the looks on their face. This, I, I think you just blew that one out of the water. This is great <laughs> stuff. Um, listeners, uh, I, I want to reiterate, uh, you know, Dr. Megan Bunning, you know, she's not just uh, a highly regarded academic. You know, she was a division one uh, athlete, a, a division one coach, you know, played and coached at the international level. Uh, very uh, well respected uh, in the athletic area. And what she does now is she takes her interest in athletics and, and puts that laser focus uh, on research based information. Uh, just a tremendous resource. And uh, let's give a shout out to uh, her uh, her other job. Uh, she's part of the faculty for the FSU coach degree program. Uh, Dr. Bunny, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and pick your brain a little bit more, I don't want to start an avalanche because listeners, you got a great resource here, uh, but maybe they also want to find out more about the FSU coach program. What's the best way they can do both of those? Sure. Well, you can email me directly. I'm happy to answer questions or just make a connection at m.bunning. That's B-U-N-I-N-G at FSU.edu. And then you can find our website. If you just Google FSU Coach, it'll pop up, but it's FSU Coach Interdisciplinary Center, uh, FSU-Coach, um, I believe, .fsu.edu. Uh, Dr. Megan Bunning, thanks as always for sharing. Always uh, fun to hang out with you. Uh, all the best with the uh, rest of uh, this semester, and uh, hopefully we'll connect on on one of my uh, trips up to Tallahassee. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. For our listeners, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We do this every single week, and we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, come back next week for another great Wednesday wisdom and just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time. Well, always great to hang out with Dr. Megan Bunning. That's FSU Coach. Check out the program uh, and, and reach out to Dr. Bunning. Tremendous resource. Before we go, let's uh, acknowledge our sponsors one more time because, again, these are companies that I used as an AD you should be using them too. Let's say thanks to Home Campus. Home Campus is the exclusive high school and state association information management platform. They do scheduling. They do athletic clearance. They do everything. Go to homecampus.com to find out more information. Athletic surveys by Lifetrack. In my school, we use surveys for everything. Teachers, coaches, parents, kids. And the information that comes back, it's almost always over the top positive. But it also allows you to hear from those squeaky wheels and keep those small issues from turning into big ones. Go to athleticsurveys.com, see how they can help you in your program. We want to thank Huddle. As a football coach, I used Huddle. As an AD, we were a Huddle school. Go to huddle.com, check out all the things that they can provide your athletic department. We want to thank Hometown Ticketing. It's the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. I don't think I need to say anything more. Hometown Ticketing. Com. We want to say thank you to Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Probably the best purchase I ever made was our Sideline Interactive indoor score table. We use it for home games, for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, schedule a live web demo, see their products in action. 
We want to thank Gipper, the official social media graphics solution for the podcast. Your kids are on social media. And if you're not promoting your athletes, your teams, your program, you're really missing out. Go to Gipper.com. Mention the podcast. They'll give you a nice discount. That's Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Snap Rays. Um, we've done a lot of fundraisers over the years, but our coaches and our parents and our business office loved Snap Rays. Hands down, the best online fundraiser out there. It works. Go to snapraise.com slash EDAD. And we'd like to thank Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school record boards, your school's Hall of Fame, or if you just want to tell your school's story, let vitalsignswalloffame.com show you how to do it. vitalsignswalloffame.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Wednesday Wisdom. Come back next week uh, on the Educational AD Podcast.